Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Will Peterson, Rachel Veal, hanging out with you because the Stanley Cup final begins this week. We are so stoked. This is a moment we've all been waiting for, and it starts this week, Will. Yeah, Rachel, like I I said, it's kind of dangerous to root for an opponent, but I got to admit on Saturday night, I was hoping the Lightning would win because I didn't want to have to wait a whole nother week. By the Lightning winning, we get game one on on Wednesday night. We're, you know, 55 hours away, somewhere like that, from a puck drop in the Stanley Cup final. If the Rangers had won, we'd be talking about game seven tomorrow night and then the Stanley Cup not starting till Saturday. So, uh, believe me, I don't love the whole root for an opponent thing, but I was just rooting for time to just speed up. I, I just wanted to get this show on the road. So the fact that we now obviously know the schedule, we know the opponent, plenty for us to dive into, but feels a lot better saying, hey, we got game one Wednesday, than oh, we're waiting until Saturday for game one. No, 100%. I'm super stoked for Wednesday night. There's going to be so much going on downtown. There's so much. Again, the um, fan is going to be doing a watch party, too, down at Blake Street Tavern. So you can go hang out there, watch the game, too, if you don't have tickets. I know the ticket prices. They're only going up, Will, too. I've seen some that are the top level, and now it's like $1,300. We thought the $1,100 was bad. I've seen $1,300 now. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things where I kept waiting for the market to soften, and maybe it will. Like maybe if you're sitting there Wednesday afternoon at three o'clock, and, and there's a thousand unsold tickets, people are going to start panicking and lowering those prices, and you can get a deal right before puck drop. But yeah, I mean, everything we've seen is that they're just going up; they're higher in demand. Listen, I think people treat this like a like a Super Bowl almost. Like it's a bucket list thing. It's something you really only get to do once in your lifetime. So they're willing to uh, dish out a, a pretty, pretty penny to, to get to go to one of these games. But can you imagine if it goes to game seven? What's the get in the door price going to be for that? A couple thousand? We'll have to see. But it, it's just it's just going up and up. And I will be curious, uh, you know, three, four o'clock Wednesday, check, check those secondary sites and see where they're at. Will people panic if their tickets haven't sold by then? My guess is yes, they don't want those seats empty, and they don't want to eat the money. They want to get some cash for them. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. I think ticket prices are going to drop right now. It's all the hype. Everyone wants to get into Ball Arena. Be patient, and I think ticket prices will drop. And, of course, we'll keep everybody updated on all of our social sites for all your Colorado Avalanche coverage, too. Um, our wonderful DMAC, he is a traveling buffoon all the time. He's everywhere. He was out at Ball Arena earlier um, this weekend, too, and he's hopefully going to be joining us. He's down at Ball Arena actually right now, too. So we'll hopefully bring him in at some point. But I know we've also got Broncos mandatory minicamp starting up this week, too. It's going to be happening here in the next couple of hours. So let's kind of dive into the things that you need to watch. And it's hard to believe that we're talking about mandatory minicamp for the Denver Broncos and we don't have a quarterback battle, Will. So let's get into some things that you need to be watching for. That's where does this O-line stand? We're going to get into all of these things, too. Who maximizes their opportunities? What is going to happen on day three? Field days have happened in the past. What's going to happen there? And how will Melvin Gordon fit in with the offense? He's someone who doesn't attend OTAs. And what will the playbook look like too? Nathaniel Hackett talked a little bit about that earlier. So let's kind of dive into all of these things, Will, because there's a lot of exciting things to be talking about when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, we can just start, you know, sort of going down the list if you want. Uh, uh, With offensive line, um, 
when you're protecting Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, it's a big deal, right? Like they're still your best hopes. They're still your best quarterbacks. When you're protecting Russell Wilson, it's literally Super Bowl or bust, whether or not you can keep that guy healthy. So the amount of pressure, particularly, um, you know, on Garrett Bowles, at the left tackle position on Dalton Reisner in the middle. They're, they're the vets on this line now. They're the guys that have been here. We know those names. They finally have a quarterback that's a big name to protect. And then, you know, you throw in the right tackle saga. You sign Billy Turner from the Packers. All indications were he was going to be the guy. We haven't really seen that play out in OTA. So where does that happen? Where does the belly Quinn Miners fit in? Lloyd Cushenberry at center. Is he really ready to take the leap? Remember, Lloyd Cushenberry was Joe Burrow's center at LSU when they won the national title. Well, Joe Burrow played in the Super Bowl last year, and Lloyd Cushenberry hadn't done a ton in his first uh, couple seasons in the NFL. So a ton of storylines to watch on that O-line. And how does Nathaniel Hackett mix and match um, his five best guys? Because there's there's going to be seven, eight, nine names that fans know uh, of guys you've heard of or, or, or free agents or former draft picks or, or big names, quote-unquote. But I don't think Hackett's here to – to just give guys jobs. I think he's here to shuffle around his best bets for um, uh, an O-line that can keep Russell Wilson upright. So it's not the sexiest topic. It's the O-line, but they're important. All right. What's that? They're important. They're so critical. That's the craziest part is like, you know, I I know fans would rather talk about their fantasy teams and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, Mm -hmm. but the difference between the Broncos winning let's call it nine games and going, you know, nine and eight and, and battling for that last playoff spot and winning 12 or 13 games mm-hmm. and, and maybe winning the AFC West and getting, getting home field advantage in the AFC playoffs could be the O-line. So there's mm-hmm. a reason you put it at number one on your list. And it's certainly going to be a topic to watch in training camp, but it's really going to be a topic to watch the next three days as these are mandatory now. So the guys have to be there. So in some 7-on-7, 11-on-11 type looks, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get the details, the breakdown uh, of, you know, okay, here's who the starting five looks to be. Is that subject to change before camp? Of course. Subject to change before the preseason? Of course. But right now, on June 13th, here's where it stands. I'll be interested to learn for sure. And I feel like this is kind of just one of the main pieces that we're all like, okay, what is going on here? It feels like we know who our wide receiver core is going to be. We know the running back situation, right? We're going to talk about Melvin Gordon here in a little bit too, but we kind of know it, but this is the one area of this Broncos team where we're really not sure what else is like, how these pieces are going to fit together. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look at O-line and pass rush because on, on pass rush, in theory, it should be Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, right? But Bradley Chubb hasn't been able to stay healthy. And Randy Gregory got a ton of money and, oh, his shoulder's in a sling. He got surgery. So Mm -hmm. there's the most sort of drama on this team in the trenches, right? It's the O-line and it's the pass rushing on the D-line. It's not the middle of the D-line, actually. The middle of the D-line is pretty set with DJ Jones and uh, and Draymond Jones and Mike Purcell. Um, But on the outside, that's where there's question marks. And on the O-line, there is question marks as well. So... Listen, I'd rather be talking about these as the question marks than quarterback. Because if, if quarterback's a question mark, Rachel, you ain't winning squat. And that's been the Broncos' problem the last six years. Quarterback is not a question. It's it's important stuff, but it's smaller, more technical stuff 
that is the uh, the question here for the Broncos. So yeah, something something that bears watching the next couple of days, no doubt. Now you mentioned some injuries, which leads us into this next part, which is who maximizes their opportunities. We know the big names, but there's always the backup for the big names. So who is going to stand out at mandatory minicamp for those backup roles? Maybe names we're not even familiar with, but who's going to stand out for this Broncos team? Yeah, I mean, I think you start at corner because you know you have Pat Sertan and Ronald Darby. But after that, where's everyone slot in? You know, they signed Kwan Williams from the Niners. He's your slot guy. But I'm talking strictly – you know, outside corners. Who else do you have? There's a guy who's been on this team for a long time who has not done much, but he's somehow still here, and that's Michael Ojemudia. So yeah. I think it's a make or break year for Michael Ojemudia in terms of are, are you not only an NFL player, but are you part of the Denver Broncos future as well? So I, I think that's a name absolutely to watch in these next few days. And then I also think on the offensive side, Javante and Melvin get so much attention, and rightfully so. But where does Mike Boone fit into all this? We know that Mike Boone has been a favorite of George Payton's up in Minnesota. Uh, We know he flashed a little bit last year in very um, small opportunities. And there was a lot of people that said, hey, you don't even have to re-sign Melvin because you can just slot in Mike Boone as the number two guy. So that's another name to watch is is will Mike Boone – I don't want to say push Melvin Gordon for the number two role because I I think Melvin's making so much more money and he's such a bigger name. Mm -hmm. But will he put a little seed in those guys' head of, we got to find a way to get Mike Boone the ball behind Javante? Obviously, Javante gets 70% of the carries. We're all on board with that. But will Mike Boone maybe surpass Melvin Gordon in terms of what the coaches want to do with that number two running back? And how would Melvin Gordon handle something like that would be another fascinating development to watch. So there's about 10 more names, but those are two that, that jumped to me at the top of my head is, is Ojemudia and Boone, one on each side of the ball. Okay, we're going to skip my day three part, and we'll come back to that because let's talk about Melvin Gordon. He's never in attendance for OTAs. You know, they're voluntary, so he's never in attendance. We've talked about him doing podcasts, whatever. But now it's mandatory that he's here. He has a pre- like previous relationship with Russell Wilson. So how does he fit into this offense? Does he accept just a number two role? Does he accept being pushed by Boone? Well, what's that going to look like? Yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, we hear, oh, he and Russell are talking. Mm-hmm. And then I know you went to a, a great charity event down at Coors Field and he was there as well. Which I won't lie, I was I was shocked. You know, we haven't seen him at all, and then all of a sudden we're at this charity event like a week prior, and I'm like, oh, Melvin Gordon is in town. I, I was shocked by it. It was one of those that you kind of was like, oh, well, I'm glad to see he's here. I'm glad to see he's like communicating with his teammates, and it seems like there's no beef from the team, right? The media here, we talk about it, and we're like, oh, it's weird that he doesn't go, and like if he was really dedicated on the team, there's nothing there. It's they're just all best of buds in those situations. Yeah, but here's the million dollar question that I'll that I'll say that everyone's thinking. Dude, if you're good enough to talk to Russell Wilson and you're good enough to go show up at charity events, great. You're raising money for a good cause. I love it. Yep. Why aren't you good enough to just go to OTAs? Like what's the difference? If you're in Denver, you can't just get in your car and go to work with your teammates and Oh, by the way, meet your new head coach, meet your new offensive coordinator. Um, You know, yeah, I know you and Russell Wilson have a history together, 
but that was at Wisconsin like 10 years ago. Like maybe reignite with that guy too. So it's just a little odd to me that it's like, okay, so Melvin is Melvin can do all these things, except just because it's Melvin's thing not to go to OTAs, he can't be bothered to show up to OTAs. Now you throw the word mandatory in front of him and he'll be there today, but it just, and I hate to be dramatic about it because it's June. Does it really matter? Probably not. But does it just reek of a little bit selfish? Like that's the word that's coming to mind right now. A little bit selfish that you can't be bothered that you're too cool for school. Listen, man, if you were, if you were, let's throw it back. If you were LaDainian Tomlinson or Priest Holmes or Terrell Davis or, or Barry Sanders, and you were a future Hall of Famer, first ballot, sure, don't show up. But you're Melvin Gordon. Like, you, you've had a nice career. You've had a fine career. But you've had a major fumbling issue that's cost your team's games. You were on the free agent market for a long time, a lot longer than I think you expected. How close was Melvin Gordon to not having a job in the NFL this year? And now he can't show up to OTA. So that's where it's like, okay, I'm not trying to be a hot takey radio guy, but there is a part of me that, that this does bother me a little bit. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's a ton of questions about Melvin Gordon. No, and I'm with you. And I like how you use the word selfish there. Cause I do think that's it. Right. If this was Drew Locke, we're talking about, we're like, all right, we get it. But this is Super Bowl or bust. And Patrick said it. That's what they want. So we want to see that from every single member on this team, the dedication that Russell Wilson is bringing in to this entire environment. We're seeing it with the wide receivers. We're seeing it with Javante. You want somebody who is Melvin Gordon. I mean, like you said, he's had a good career. He's had a decent career. You want somebody like him to be like, you know what? This is the time to shine. Let's buckle up. Let's go to OTAs instead of doing a podcast. But instead, you're being selfish and you're just kind of keeping that same like track that you've had in years past, which hasn't gotten you very far. Yeah, and I thought your first point there was extremely valid too. Like, if we're going to act like this is a new era and there's a new energy mm-hmm. and there's all of a sudden these major expectations for this football team that has been devoid of them since Melvin Gordon joined a couple years ago – then you can shift your attitude too. Like it's okay in life to admit like, Hey, I didn't go to those things last couple of years. Cause I wasn't really excited about our team. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not excited about this team now, then why did you resign? Because it, it, it's, it's way more exciting to be a member of the Denver Broncos now than it was in 2020 or 2021. So uh, I, I just think that Melvin, you know what, let's hope this all becomes a non-issue and he's there the next three days and he's there mm-hmm. for training camp And come week seven, we're not saying, remember when he didn't show up in May, it won't even be on our radar. But it's interesting to monitor, for sure. No, 100%. Now, James Merrillat, he's totally against this idea. We're going back to our number three point of field day. They've had this in the past. They've done different sorts of games and stuff that um, only the team does. Media is not allowed to watch. Nobody can see anything except for team media, too. But James says, screw that idea. We're not doing it. Well, what's your take? My take is I don't get fired up about field day. Like I, I just, I, I know it's been James's thing and it drives him nuts for whatever reason. Like I've, I've known James for a long time and this isn't some new thing that bothers him. Field day has bothered James for years and years and years. Do I see his point? Yes, I do. You should be working every chance you have to work and you shouldn't be having a dunk tank and a water balloon toss and a funnel cake machine and all that. Like I, I do get that. 
Do I also think there are elements of team bonding that can be achieved on stuff like that? Of course I do. Like, I, I think, you know, you're trying to bring, you know, right now the roster's at like 90 guys and a brand new coaching staff. You're trying to bring well over 100 people together to form into one unit, family, whatever word you want to use to try to win a Super Bowl. Do you think that, let's just throw out two random names, DJ Jones, brand new defensive lineman from San Francisco, and KJ Hamler, third, fourth year wide receiver out of Penn State. Do you think they have any sort of relationship? Of course not. We all work at companies with 100 people where we don't even know some of these people. But if DJ Jones and KJ Hamler for whatever reason, can have fun at field day together, maybe that develops some sort of friendship. Maybe that develops something um, bigger than the game in terms of this is how you want the guys to be united. Come training camp, those two aren't even going to see each other on the field. DJ is going to be with the D-line. KJ is going to be with the wide receivers. Again, I came up with two random names, but that's where the field day stuff can sort of bring and unite a team. So, God bless James. Like, I know he gets fired up about this. I, know. I don't have the hottest of hot takes on it, but I do see both sides. I say, why not? We see them going bowling and building that team chemistry. When you have fun at your job, it makes it more enjoyable to go to work. I feel like that's the same when you're going and working with Russell Wilson or Melvin Gordon or Nathaniel Hackett. Like, the more you can have fun, the more you want to go to work, and you put in more hours that way. I think that goes – throughout all kind of office situations. We have a lot of fun here at 104 through the fan and denverfan.com. I love going to work because of that. And that's because we're all able to joke around and stuff. So I don't get the beef with field day. I say, why not let them play some different sports. I did that healthy swings event. You can see an entire blog on denverfan.com of it. The guys were hilarious, but it was showing them outside of their like um, normal situation, right? Like I was able to talk to a lot of them. And if this was just a normal practice, there was no way because it's all business there. So let them have some fun. It's early on in the season. I believe that Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson will keep them all going smoothly as we get closer to the season. We're going to get into our final point before we bring DMAC in, and that's what will the playbook look like? So media can watch all of these mandatory minicamp practices, which makes it extremely fun, but it also allows us to gather a lot of information. So how are you anticipating the playbook to look like this year, Will? Yeah, I mean, we've heard from like guys like Tim Patrick, it's going to be an offense we've never, never seen before, right? Like this brand new mastermind mashup of Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson coming together to create the, the most dynamic offense in NFL history. Uh, we could see that, but the reality is we ain't seeing that till week one. They're not going to show it off in front of, you know, as DMAC likes to say, the muggles, the, the 40 muggles uh, sitting sitting uh, on the, you know, not the hill, but the other side, kind of by the building at, uh, at Dove Valley. So I'm excited to see it. Like, do I believe Tim Patrick? Yeah, I don't think he's making that up. But at the same time, like, they're not going to reveal that for us to see. They're going to keep that in-house and do it when no one's watching. And then come week one in Seattle on Monday Night Football, that's when we're going to find out whether or not, okay, this really is this whole brand new offense. Mm -hmm. I think they're certainly working on some special things. I don't think it's going to be nearly as boring as it's been the last few years. But I also think it's really tough in 2022 to completely revolutionize the game of football. So somewhere in the middle, but it'll definitely be curious to see how it plays out. 
I'm super stoked. I'm hoping that there's some fun, different plays, right? We talk about old school football, new school football. I'm hoping we see some different sort of things from Russell Wilson. But Nathaniel Hackett spoke with the media last week for the final week of OTAs. And he talked about the playbook and said, all these practices that are going on are about reviewing, understanding, and detailing things up because you throw everything at them, give them the whole book, and do as much as you possibly can. Now we can truly dissect each play and what we're trying to accomplish so they've got the book they've got all the uh, materials that they need now let's go out there and put some of it together and see what we're actually able to create with these players and I'm I'm stoked for it let's get this season going like I'm ready for training camp already Will yeah no doubt it's exciting Uh, obviously you know normally this time of year it's all Broncos on our radar but we have something even more exciting than the Broncos on our radar right now, too. Oh, man, we do. DMAC Down Live at Ball Arena will be joining us here in just a second as well. I'm so excited for this Stanley Cup run. I mean, we've literally been talking about it for so long now, Will. I mean, I can go back and think, I was talking about this Sunday morning with John Davis. I can go back and think of so many conversations I had with people about, can this team win a Stanley Cup? Can they actually do it? And they're this close to being able to do it. It's just, it's crazy. So let's bring in DMAC because like I said, he's down at Ball Arena. We're stoked to have him. He is just a traveling guru, it seems like, all the time this weekend he was down at Ball Arena. So DMAC, what can you tell us? You're down close to the ice. I love it. What can you tell us about what you learned this weekend? Well, the key is for the Avalanche is to, uh, look at that. Light the light. There I am. I'm punching the light. There's the goal. That's where Vasilevsky is going to give up a million goals. Well, I don't know. Maybe. We hope so. What, what we learned is can a deep, talented Avalanche team beat a very experienced uh, Tampa team? That's what we learned. We also learned that iPhones and StreamYard don't work well in 95-degree heat as my phone was actually literally melting down. So you might want to call this the, the, the heat cup because not only are the temperatures, you know, what they are here in Colorado, but think about Tampa as well. And we're playing the latest Stanley Cup final, you know, I don't know, ever. So um, it is odd to say the least, but welcome to the relief being here on the ice. I love it right there. We're going to light the light, Rachel. There it is right there. I'm so excited for this. We'll go for it. Well, I was just going to say, first of all, DMAC, you're, you're sitting or standing in about $8,000 worth of seats right there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Here, let me, do, uh, let me do one of these doodads here. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question, Will. So here we are, right? Like, what do these babies cost? Right along the ice, right there, right down there. I mean, seriously, what are those going for? Uh, those are probably going for like literally three, four thousand a ticket first row. So, um, wow. Wow. yeah. So I do want to ask you though, DMAC, was there a sense from the abs that they were actually kind of glad that the lightning won on Saturday so that this thing can get rolling on Wednesday and we don't have to wait for a game seven and then four more days till next Saturday, we are going to start this thing in somewhat of a reasonable amount of time even though nine days off is still a lot of time between the Edmonton series and the final. Yeah, I, I think that's actually well said, Will. And uh, excuse my jitteriness with here with my handheld. But no, I think you're right about that. They've had two very active practices, uh, virtual scrimmages, which is highly unusual during the season. Uh, yesterday and then again mm-hmm. on Friday, right? How's my math? Yeah, 
Yeah, they had Saturday off. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're ready to go. The, the only reason I think the Avalanche would say they would like a little more time is because um, uh, Cogliano and Kadri have not been ruled out. They haven't. And they both were on the ice yesterday. Um, they were skating without um, sticks. In fact, I mean, I don't know. They could actually drop out on the ice here any moment, to be quite honest with you, as their skate actually doesn't get going until noontime. So they skated before the practice. Um, so, but, but Bettinard did confirm they skated without sticks. They were just on the ice. So, okay, fine for that. Other than that, no, guys, they're ready to go. They're raring to go. And I don't think the delay is going to be that big of a deal. And here's a really minute little cool fact for the Avs. They said their legs were dead um, between games one and two of the Blues when they only had one day off. I think it's a good thing they have two days off between game one and game two because they're going to empty the tank in game one. And just to get on a back on a regular schedule, it probably is good to actually have an extra day off just to flush things out and to feel total. And then I think it's off and running, um, no problem from then on in. Dmac, were you able to see Cogliano and Kadri out there? Could you like were they wrapped up or was this all private? You couldn't see anybody. I could not. I couldn't see it yesterday. We have a uh, we have spies everywhere. So they took a picture of them at Family Sports. I mean, it's not you know Jared Bednar said they were skating, so it's not like that big of a secret. Um, yeah. But but they've been on the ice now for a couple of days. So yeah, I'm here early. If uh, the two of them are out here, I'll. I'll I got no life. I'll keep my eyeballs on them. D-Mac will be there out there with the photo, the flash photography, trying not to get in trouble. Uh, Where, all right, are D-Mac. Where are you? Where are you? So it's the, it's the million dollar question. It's the question that still hasn't been answered. I don't expect it to get answered today, but who's going to start game one, in your opinion, Darcy oh. Kemper or Pavel Francis? Oh, it's not even close. It's definitely going to be Darcy Kemper, 100%. It's, it's not even, I, I don't think it's even a question. At this point, Darcy said he's 100%. Um, every, uh, I, he's, I've seen him now uh, practice several times uh, since, the, um, since they wrapped up Edmonton. Looks fine. Says he's 100%. Looks 100%. I have no idea why he wouldn't start. Zero, unless there's some sort of other injury or some other recurrence of what was bothering him. But there's no reason to think that. Um, I would be literally stunned if Francois was, was starting on uh, Wednesday night. But has Bednar addressed that anymore? Because last I heard, he said it's going to be a tough decision. Come on, Will. This isn't your first time at the rodeo. You know, they they play all these silly mind games during this time Mm -hmm. of year. Um, So, sure, he doesn't have to say it. So why would he say it? That's that's the thinking. Uh, So, uh, I don't know. We'll keep asking. Uh, But, I mean, I, I seriously have no idea why he would even make an announcement, period. I, I think you'll come out for the, you know, Wednesday night and you'll find out. But, but again, I'd be stunned if it wasn't um, Darcy. Well, DMAC, you're sitting in a seat that's $2,588 with fees <laughs> Is right it really? There. So oh it's a good, ch- <laughs> good chunk of change to be able to sit that close to the ice. Rachel, let's give everybody a viewpoint of, of where you and I would be, Rachel. It'd be, God, can you even see that high? Can you see it's it's uh we're way uh, up at the high, top higher, everybody higher high. I think we're actually going to be swinging from a rafter but how lucky are we that we're even going to be there period so uh you know I'm thrilled with the top to bottom No absolutely So much right here right 20 $3000 for this seat right here right here 3000 bucks 
Look at this. Uh, two five eight eight with fees. So you could get you go. the pair for a little over five grand. You know. Okay. Well, should I leave him a little? Should I? Should I leave him a little note? Dmax said hi. I could use a loan. What? What do you got going? Let's try. I'll write a little D. See, I'll write a little Dmax. D M A C. That'll stay, right? That. Yeah. Dmax right. for the yeah, glass. No, no worries. Dmax as always. Three thousand dollars. Dmax as always. Thank you so much for hopping on. I know you're kind of all over the place, so thank you for taking the time. Thanks for hopping in. Enjoy that air conditioning too in there in Ball Arena because it is definitely a toasty one out there. Here we go, Avs. Light the lamp. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with Will, myself, Dmac. We are literally so excited for the Stanley Cup run. I cannot believe we've made it this far, Will. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I know I'm going to see you a lot more, Will. But let's just go into possible for scenarios that you see happening for Game One. Who's scoring first? Uh, you know, I think it's the usual candidates. I don't think there's any reason to, to get too crazy. I think Nathan McKinnon, you know, every time Nathan McKinnon doesn't play for a little while, he has that extra, he got shot out of a cannon type yeah. look to him. Like, like it's just, it's sort of, um, I don't want to say men against boys cause that's insulting to his teammates who are very good, but yeah. he's so clearly the best player on the ice that I think he's not a bad pick. I think Kel McCarr is is absolutely on fire. And Rachel, I think one more name to watch is Miko Rantan really found something in that Edmonton series that we had been waiting for and that the Avs will need to win four more and win the cup. So I, it's not, you know, I'm not picking Darren Helm. I'm not picking Obey Kubel. Uh, I, I'm going Miko, Nathan, or Kale. But I definitely think that the, the stars will show up for the Avs in game one, and they certainly have to. We know that much. So you're saying Avs score first. Yeah, I think Ball Arena is going to be absolutely on fire. Um, if you're if you're paying two thousand dollars to go to a hockey game, you think thousand five hundred eighty eight. If you want to sit next to the glass, right? You think you'd be on fire. So um, yeah, I do. I, I think they'll ambush them pretty good in Game One. Um, but then I think Game Two is when Tampa could co- come and punch back, and we we really get into a series. So. Um, the Avs have been very good at home in game ones in this postseason. I mean, they hung, what, seven on Nashville in game one. They hung eight on Edmonton in game one. And then St. Louis, I believe that was the one they won in overtime, but significantly outplayed the Blues too. So I fully expect another, um, you know, another route uh, in terms of shots in game one. Now, we'll dive more into the series. We know that. But is Vasilevsky – Better than Mike Smith? Yes, he's not even in the same stratosphere as Mike Smith. So you score eight on uh, Mike Smith and um, uh, the backup in in game one against Edmonton, you may put up as many shots but only score two or three against Vasilevsky. So that's where the series gets totally different. And the good news, we've got, you know, a couple days to to preview all that. But that is the number one thing that's going to be different in this series – then all the rest of the playoffs is the quality of goaltender the Avalanche are facing. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting so excited. I've got goosebumps on my arms right now. But tomorrow we're going to be previewing everything that you need to know about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then we are back for our second week of Trivia Tuesday. Will, Jake, James Merrillat, 
some other media members, some other radio folks at 104.3 The Fan are going to be joining us. So we want to make sure you join us as well. So make sure you come hang out with us for Trivia Tuesday and to learn everything you need to know about these Tampa Bay Lightning. We will see you guys tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Bye, everybody.